Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a privilege it is for us to be virtually gathered. I think sometimes we underestimate uh, the importance of uh, Sunday gatherings. It is certainly not the entire aspect of our Christian walk, but it is a big piece of your spiritual formation. And so welcome to those of you who are hanging out with us for the first time. We are grateful that you are, that you're here. Uh, If you guys would do me a favor, like I say almost every week, go ahead and share this. Let somebody know. I don't know if y'all just hear that and don't do it, but actually share this uh, with somebody. Uh, Randomly text somebody and and drop the link in their in their uh, in their their text message or or maybe it's a group chat. Won't you go ahead and just drop it in there and let them know that we're about to get into the word of God. In fact, I want to cut out the small talk and I'm excited about the word today. So. If you can grab your physical copies or devices and get to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is where we're going to hang out today. I have no clue if you guys are actually getting physical copies. Uh, If you're home and you have access to to uh, to a Bible, would you do me a favor and just grab the actual copy? Uh, Go go wherever that is. And I don't, you know, you guys are young, so you probably are using your phones. Go find that Bible and dust it off, and let's, uh, let's use that actual Bible today. We're, we're going to be in a, really two parables, but they're really small. They're connected. They, they kind of work in concert together, two parables of Jesus that um, I think really, I don't know, it ministered to me this week, and I think having a physical copy of the Bible is going to be helpful for us today. As you run around the house and try to find that Bible, um, <laughs> let me... Uh, let me just quickly announce, not announce, but um, express uh, my, uh, I don't know, concern, but also just something that I, I want to ask you guys to pray for is several of our members over the last several weeks have um, been affected by uh, this virus, and uh, many have tested positive, not many, but a few have tested positive, <clears throat> and um, it's something that we certainly take serious. By God's grace, nothing uh, nothing too serious is coming of it, but I, I certainly want to express that to you guys that, you know, I think, you know, as things start to open up and vaccines start to take place, I think it's easy to kind of let your guard down a little bit. But I want to just express that this thing is still real. And um, don't man, this thing, you know, Ephesians chapter six says it best that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And although this virus does attack attack flesh and blood. It, it really is a, it has a spiritual aspect to it. And so prayer is the way that we combat it. We ask God to to, to protect our immune systems and protect our, our bodies. And then we use wisdom with how we operate in life. And we're careful with, uh, with what we do. I have no clue if you guys are serious about the vaccine or not. Um, if you do, we're praying for you. If you don't, we're praying for you. Um, but if you are if you are sick, if you've tested positive in any way, please let us know. We, we say this all the time. We put it out on every newsletter uh, because James does tell us if you're sick, call on the elders and that they may pray and anoint you with oil. And Pastor Timmy and I, and I don't know if he's watching, but Pastor Timmy and I, literally every time we hear that there is a positive uh, uh, testing in our church, we, we just go, go to prayer about it. And we, we share that information with each other. And so please let us know. And if there's a hardship because of it, let us know. It's important to us. 
we care about the holistic you. We, we care about the spiritual you, uh, the, the mental side, the, and, and the physical. We care about all of that uh, because God cares. All right, Matthew 13. Man, I'm excited to be back in the pulpit today. I got a little bit of a break last week, and um, I was so grateful for Pastor Derek Parks down in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, At the last minute, just coming up and giving me a break, you know, it's Vance Havner that said, if you don't come apart, you'll fall apart. And, um, you know, anybody that takes weekly preaching serious, I mean, it just takes a toll. You know, you just week in, week out, uh, the preparation, the prayer, uh, the, the seriousness about delivery and, and, and the prayer that it hits people, not from an informational dump, but from a transformational place. Um, man, after a while, that just can get very tiring. And so I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy today more than I'm saying, I promise I was not being um, exegetically lazy last week. I was just tired. And so I preach to you guys and tell y'all to go on vacation and take breaks. I got a few coming up this summer. Just want to put that on on out there to you. All right, Matthew 13. Three verses, two parables. I don't know how Jesus does this. Gives two parables in three small verses where we'll be today. Look at verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, note that word found, and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells, note this word, all that he has, to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold, here's that word, all that he had and bought it. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, A Treasure Worth Giving Everything For. A Treasure Worth Giving Everything For. Would you type that in the chat room for me just in case somebody pops in mid-sermon? They'll know where we are. A treasure worth giving everything for. Let's look to the Lord before we uh, dig into these parables. Uh, Father, we are in need of you this morning. Uh, would you meet us as we engage in your word? We, we realize that this passage, these two parables are really given as, as a, a tool to be self-reflective. May, may we look at the value we place on stuff and look at the value that we place on kingdom. And Father, may, may you get out our hearts today. May this be one of those parables that are these parables. May, may, they be, may this be a passage that it doesn't just go with us through the week, but one of those things that we could literally point back to and say, man, I remember when that changed the trajectory of my life. And Lord, we know that your word has the power to do that. So, Father, would you get at us today as we dig into your word? May Christ be seen. May he be heard. May he be felt. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. May the gospel be clear, not not, not gray, black and white today. It's in Christ's name I give glory. Amen. Amen. A treasure worth giving everything for. Uh, You guys just saw Gabe. Gabe was... uh, our operationals got operational manager here at the church. And uh, a few years ago, him and I went to lunch and he took me, he prepared me before I got there. He said, I'm going to take you to get the best burger you've ever had. You've never had a burger like this before. I'm not a huge burger guy, but I, I do like a, a really good burger every now and then. 
I said, I got you, man. Let, let's, let's go. So we jumped on the train and we went down to the Soho area. It's, it's a spot on uh, Prince Street. It's called Raoul's. And we get there and, you know, it's interesting because we get there an hour early. I'm like, why, why are we, the place isn't even open yet, Gabe? I didn't know if Gabe just wanted to just enjoy the day and chat. But it was, he was very intentional of why we got there an hour early. He said, you got to get here early because you got to be one of the first 12 in line. Now, now, the burger is good for really two reasons. Number one, it's good because it's, it's just a good burger. The, the, the bun to, to meat ratio, the gravy, they don't use ketchup. The gravy that sits on it, the, 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 um, it almost looks like a salad, but the, the, the vegetables, the lettuce and stuff that they put on top is just phenomenal. But that's not why the burger is desirable. You can get a good burger from almost anywhere if, if they're legit. This burger was desirable because Gabe got us there early to stand in line because you had to be one of the first 12 to get in because they only sell 12 burgers a day. Now, I think they upped it. They probably sell a few more. I think it's somewhere around 20, 24, somewhere around there now. But at that time we got there, 9 million people live in New York, 12 burgers. And you had to get there and be there because you had to sit around the bar. You can't just sit anywhere in the restaurant and get this burger. You have to sit at the bar to get the burger. So Gabe and I are sitting there and we're waiting and we finally get there. I think we went there a couple times because the burger was so good. But what made the burger desirable was because it was exclusive. What made the burger desirable is because it was inaccessible. Only 12 burgers can get, be given out in an entire day. And sometimes I think, you know, when it comes to the exclusive nature of something, it makes you want it. When it comes to something that is hard to get, it makes it even that much more desirable, not so with heaven. When it comes to heaven, it is not the exclusivity that makes heaven desirable. Heaven, you can get access to it. All you have to do is put your faith and the person in the work of Jesus Christ. I love the way Romans say in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to get there an hour early. You don't got to reserve a spot. You ain't got to worry that they're going to run out of spots. You ain't got to worry that you'll be received. You ain't got to worry that you'll be rejected. If you put your faith in Jesus, you have and all access pass. If you put your faith in the one who has purchased your salvation, you can rest and be assured that heaven awaits you. So the question that the parables pose to us is not the accessibility of heaven. Rather, what value do we place on it? What is the value that we place on kingdom things in this text, such as heaven versus earthly things, such as the trinkets? That are around us. So these two parables that are given to us describe the great value of the kingdom of heaven, but they also describe the extreme urgency that we must place in light of the value that we say we have in heaven. And as we dig in, I think it's important before we jump into the passage to take off the table the wrong application. Here's the wrong application. These two parables are not given to show us that if you sell things, you can buy a spot in heaven. 
These parables are not given to show us. Let me do a quick theological check in here. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't gain heaven on the base of privilege. Heaven is given up to us by mercy and sheer grace. I say it almost every week that heaven is given to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the reason I have to say alone is because it shows you that nothing else will give you access except Jesus and Jesus alone. And so these two parables will help us to understand the value that we place. Now, here's the reality. Some of you, this is one of those, this is one of those passages I do not want you to approach feeling like you're killing it. This is one of those passages I want us to approach trying to figure out how we can do better with prioritizing heaven and prioritizing the things of God and prioritizing Jesus. And the reality is many of us often are not aligned. Okay, let me speak for myself. I don't know if you'll be that honest today. I'm often not aligned with the value that I place. I am by profession. I'll tell you that I'm aligned. I'll tell you that I value heaven. But in reality, I'm so enamored with the things of this world. Pick me up in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And this treasure is hidden in a field. And when a man found, uh, uh, in which a man found, he covered up, he covered the treasure. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy this field. Bible says that this treasure, that that this guy is walking in a field. He's not a treasure hunter. He stumbles upon a treasure in a field. And this treasure is so valuable that he digs a hole in the ground. He puts the treasure in the ground. He covers it up. He goes and he sells all of his assets and and so that he's able to go and acquire this field so that he can get the treasure That is in the ground. Both of these parables teach us about the incomparable value of heaven. Jesus is trying to show us that nothing and nobody is worth missing out on heaven. Heaven is the that is the greatest FOMO ever. The the greatest fear of missing out is heaven. The greatest FOMO is not missing out on a social event. Greatest FOMO is not missing out on the next uh, battle of uh, uh, verses. The great, greatest FOMO is not missing out on, on my, my son and I were talking about a PS5 and how hard it is to get. That ain't the greatest FOMO. The greatest FOMO is that you will not make it into heaven. And the value that the parable places on heaven shows us that, that, that heaven is priceless. And the reason heaven is priceless is because this treasure in this text is the only treasure that restores marriages. This treasure is the only treasure that binds up the broken heart. This treasure is the only treasure that is the cure for our sin sick soul. This treasure is the only treasure that gives life to the captive. There is no other treasure like this that can fulfill the deepest longing of your heart nothing and nobody compares to this treasure so this man finds the treasure he goes home and sells everything he buys the field and he obtains this valuable new piece of uh, of treasure and why does nothing compare to it because nothing else can give us life you know I, I went this week I went online and I just started to search for the most valuable items 
Well, what are the world's most valuable items? What are, what are the things that people pay top dollar for? You won't believe the stuff that I found. A graph diamond hallucination watch, one watch is worth $55 million. A 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO was worth $70 million. Leonardo da Vinci Salvatore is worth $450 million. This one blew my mind. A Japanese sushi tycoon once paid $3.1 million for a 612-pound blue tuna, uh, blue tuna fish in 2019 and literally just to sell it in a Tokyo fish market. One fish he paid $3.1 million for. A McCollin 72-year bottle of bourbon, one bottle worth $60,000. Now, here's the crazy thing. You could take all of that stuff. Maybe you have the money. And if you do, I pray that you're giving a little bit to the church, like 10 percent of what you got. Uh, but if you had the money and you bought all of this stuff and I brought it in here right now and I piled it up and you compared it to the treasure of heaven, that stuff that's piled up is a bunch of expensive trash compared to heaven. Because there is nothing worth heaven because heaven removes the guilt of sin. That trash can't remove the guilt, the stain called sin, but heaven is able to do that. And far too often, many of us have placed people and things over the kingdom. I, I know you might not say that, but trust me, it's true. Many of us have placed people and things and relationships and jobs over the kingdom. Romans chapter 1, verse 23, will say it this way. They exchanged the glory of God for the uh, for the uh, for an immortal, immortal God for the images resembling God. You know how many times we do that? I know many of us say, nah, I would never replace God. But many times our priorities, again, are not aligned. It is C.S. Lewis that said this. He said, we are half hearted Christians. He says, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition with infinite joy is offered to us like an arrogant uh, ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea he says this we are far too often easily pleased See, the problem with us is not that we don't understand the value of heaven. The problem is we're so pleased with the toys of earth. We know the pearl is, wor is worth a lot. We, we, we know what is found in the field is worth a lot. But we are, so, we are so enamored by the glittery stuff that is called earth. And many of us have one hand on the cross and we have one hand on earthly toys. And God is like, I won't have it. If you want me. You got to give me all. If you want me, you can't give me half-hearted stuff. And many of us, we like toys. I remember when Christmas, my, my boys, they're, they're bigger now, but when they were younger, we bought them some gifts. And I remember one specific Christmas where one of my boys opened the gift and he put the gift aside and played with the box. I, I could have just bought you the box. And all he did was play with the box all day. And, 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 and I, I realized that's how, you know, in my mind, I'm going, you fool. What do you, I, the, the gift is there. And I wonder how many of us are like that. And God's looking down in heaven going, why are you playing with that stuff? When the treasure I have in you, 
when what I have for you is so much greater than what you are enamored with right now, temporary pleasures, when I offer something way more infinite. And so the treasure that this man finds, he understands its worth. And he understands that everything he has in life that he has acquired is worthless compared to this treasure. You you know why this treasure is, is, is so powerful? Because look at the emotional response it gives him. It says the kingdom of heaven, verse 44, is like a treasure hidden in a field. It says when a man found it, he covered it up. Then in his joy. See, see, that is what makes heaven so powerful is that the response is always joy. He, there, there, there's no begrudging. He's not going away going, I can't believe I got to sell all this stuff. No, with his joy. He goes and he sells everything he has. And, and, and when he sells everything he has, he's now able to get this one treasure. He understands that the stuff will never satisfy like the valuable treasure. He, he understands that money will never satisfy like the kingdom will satisfy. He, he understands that sexual escapades will never satisfy like the kingdom will satisfy. Fame will not satisfy like the kingdom will satisfy. That relationship will not satisfy like the kingdom will satisfy. Jesus offers us something far greater than temporary pleasures. He offers you eternal joy, unending joy, unending pleasure. Sitting at the throne is unending joy. The joy in heaven is not things, it's Jesus. See, see, you know, when I was a kid, man, they would say, man, come to Jesus, man, and you'll get this and this and this and this. No, no, no. See, Christianity is not that you get Jesus plus stuff. It's that you get Jesus and he's enough. Is there anybody that's in this room that says Jesus is more than enough? I love the way Vicky Winans says, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Because Jesus is the kingdom is enough. That treasure is enough. And what I'm pleading with you with this morning is, do you understand that Jesus is enough? Have you contemplated the things in life that you hold on par with Jesus? I know you won't say it. I know you won't profess that. But the reality is many of us live life like that. I've learned that I don't need to settle for counterfeit pleasures. When heaven offers me eternal joy, counterfeit pleasures. Will you type that in for me? If you're in this room, if you'll just say counterfeit pleasures. Just say it a little bit louder. Say counterfeit pleasures. Pastor B, what is a counterfeit pleasure? Porn is a counterfeit pleasure. It gives you temporary satisfaction. Drug addictions is is a counterfeit pleasure. It takes you to a place for a little temporary time. And what Jesus saying is, I can get you much higher than that and it'll be sustained for eternity. Temporary pleasure. That relationship could be a temporary pleasure. Making a whole bunch of money could be a temporary pleasure because Jesus is like, I got so much more for you that I can offer. He's like, the, the treasure I have is incomparable temporary pleasures, counterfeit pleasures. I'm encouraged when I read about the men and women in scripture that traded things for God. Look at places like somebody, somebody that's rich like David. David would say stuff like as a deer 
pants after the water. So my soul thirsts for you, oh God. Wait a minute, David, you're rich. You don't need to thirst for God. He realizes that the treasure is not the stuff. He realizes that the treasure is his God. Or Habakkuk. What about Habakkuk when he said, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk understood that the treasure was God. Well, what about Paul? He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for this sake, I have suffered loss of all things. And I count them. I love this as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul understood that the treasure was not stuff, but that the treasure was in him. I'm also encouraged by many of you. Many of you that I have relationships with here in this church, many of you have encouraged me. Many of you make me want to love Jesus more. I look at people like Nina, who has such a walk with the Lord and consistency and faithfulness and dedication to the Lord. When I look at when, when I look at people like Yolanda, who literally just drops biblical knowledge like she walked with the king every day. But when I look at people like Wendell. Who's sitting in here right now? Y'all don't see him because he's behind the camera. But but if you if you if you get to talk to Wendell, he's one of the most godliest husbands and godliest fathers, despite the fact that he didn't grow up with a real functional uh, relationship with his earthly father. He's able to be an inspiration to me as a young father. And he's only two years into it. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged when I get to talk to Eddie. Yesterday, the men met up, and I got to talk to Eddie, one of our deacons, an OG in the building, one of the oldest cats we have here, who has literally discipled half the men in the church. I mean, is there anybody in here that's a product of the discipleship of Eddie? I mean, I'm, when, I, when I tell you, he encourages me. He, we were talking about fatherhood yesterday, and he encouraged me to do some different things as it relates to uh, engaging with my boys because he's a little bit ahead of me in terms of teenagers. I'm encouraged because these, the people that I have named are not enamored by the things of the world. The people that I named are enamored by what Jesus is able to offer. This treasure right here is worth everything. It is worth giving everything that you have. And so I'm pleading with you today to not settle for the trinkets. I'm pleading with you to settle for what Jesus gives. Jesus gives us joy that's unending. I told you to make note of this word. It's found in two of the verses. Look at verse 44. It says, which a man found and he covered up the, he covered up the, in, in the field, he covered up the treasure. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all. He says it again in the next parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold. Here's that word. All I looked up the Greek for y'all. So y'all didn't have to do it this morning. Do you know that the the, the Greek, the word all this is going to be so deep. Do you know that it actually means all (laughs) like he they, they sold everything. They didn't keep anything. They didn't hold on to something else as they were trying to pursue God. They knew that the treasure was so valuable that they sold all. 
everything, not some, not a little, not a percentage, but all. Here's the question you should be pondering right now. Have you put, have you banked everything on Jesus? Have you put it all on the line? Have you given Jesus your all, not by profession, but by demonstration, by your life? Is your life oozing Jesus? When we see you, is the first thing we say is, that person loves Jesus. Are you giving everything? Can I suggest to you that one of the reasons why you may be spiritually frustrated is not the pandemic. One of the reasons you're spiritually frustrated could be because you are clinging on to God and stuff. You have cluttered the cross. You, you have put, on the cross is a bunch of other stuff. And God is like, I, I, just, I, I just won't have it. Listen, you need to trade that stuff today. And here's why you need to trade it. Because when you make that trade, I know it's hard. I know you're going past the B. I can't give all. I'll give a little bit. But when you make the trade, you literally trade death for life. You, you literally trade sin for salvation. You, you, tra- you trade shame for security. It ain't even a fair trade. It ain't even close. The stuff that you are holding on to pales into comparison as it relates to the kingdom as it relates to Jesus, as it relates to the things of God, as it relates to this treasure, make the trade. You know, my wife and I had a flight a few years ago. We were going to Miami. I mean, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. We were heading to Miami. We went to JFK and we were going to a retreat that the retreat started in the afternoon. I think it was like four or five o'clock. And we got there early in the morning because I don't like rushing. So we got there early in the morning for our, our, our morning flight. And we sit at the gate. There's a whole bunch of people at the gate and clearly it's a full flight. But I didn't realize that the flight was so full that it was overbooked. And so the stewardess gets on and she says, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna give you $500 per seat if you get on the next flight that comes and you got a guaranteed spot on the next flight and the next flight comes in two hours. And my wife is, you know, she, she, she all about that, that securing the bag. And, and I'm, I'm all about that. I, I don't like dead space. I don't like just sitting around. I'm the type of person, if we all go out to eat, when we're done eating, why are we still sitting? Let's, let's get up, let's go. I just, I don't like, like even in service, I don't like, you know, I'll talk to Josh and, and, and some of those who are a part of our service. I don't like dead space. Silence is, is awkward for me. It's, it's just weird. I like to keep things move, moving. I like things to be progressive. And so sitting at a gate for two hours, just didn't make sense to me. But my wife is pleading with me. She's like, baby, make the trade. Make the trade. You, we got a guaranteed spot and two free flights later on. Make the trade. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So we jumped on the flight. I said I couldn't do it. We jumped on the, on the, on the flight that we were supposed to get on, that we were booked for. And I realized on the flight that I lost out on something that was of greater value. And God is looking down at many of us and he's sitting there going, why are they not making this trade? And through discipleship, people that are in your life are begging you, make the trade. It ain't worth it. Make the trade. Make the trade. It's something of greater value. Make the trade. And many of us are not making the trade. We're getting on the flight and we're losing out on something that is far greater. Make the trade. Trade your sorrows for joy today. 
Make the trade, trade your pain for purpose today. Make the trade, trade hell for heaven today. Make the trade because it's a no-brainer. Don't be like me and miss out on it. You, you can have access to something that is far greater than what you are dealing with today. And so the Bible says here that both of these uh, guys, they, they sell all that they have in order to obtain this, this to make this trade, to obtain something that was of great value. Some of you, I'm convinced your life doesn't match what you say you believe. Many of you will tell me that you believe in Jesus. And then if we dig deep enough into your life, and some of you, we don't got to dig deep. We can see surface that you haven't made that trade. Make the trade today. Because what, 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 what God doesn't want in our lives is compartmentalized Christianity. He, he doesn't want this Christianity to where we give Jesus a little bit of time. He doesn't like sitting on the board of other gods. That, that, that's not his thing. He's like, there's one throne on your heart, and I sit on it, and, and it's well occupied. I don't, I, I don't need co-counsel. I, I've been watching a lot of the, of, of the, of the trial this week. The, the co- I don't need a co-counsel. I don't need nobody else to get up and make a defense. I and I alone should be on the throne of your heart. So here, here's the trade. You got to trade. We don't, know the, we, we don't know the price of the pearl. The text doesn't tell us that. We, we actually don't even know the price of the treasure that was in the field. But what we know is that both of them was worth everything. Well, I, I don't know what the price tag is, but I do know everything is the price tag that God is looking for from you. Some of you have been praying for jobs and God is like, well, but we got to talk about them idols. Like some of you are praying in that relationship and God is like, yeah, but you made that relationship an idol. You've made that your God. So some of you are praying for a house and God is like, yeah, yeah, but but we got to talk about that money. In fact, do me a favor real quick. If y'all are in here, go go with me. Go to Ezekiel. Y'all good. We tr- y'all tracking with me? I'm just trying to trade these idols today. Ezekiel chapter 14. If y'all are home, please go with me real quick. Ezekiel 14. Look, look at what the text says. Because there's a point where God is talking with Ezekiel, which, which is dope to me. I mean, it's just clear communication. And God is talking to Ezekiel about the idolatry of Israel. And he says, Israel keeps coming to me and, and talking to me and asking me for counsel. But the only thing I want to talk about is them idols. Look at what it says here. It says, and the word of the Lord came to me, verse one, son of man, this is Ezekiel. So son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord, your God, anyone of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him as he as he comes with a multitude of idols. He says that I may lay hold of his heart, the heart of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, verse six, I say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, repent, 
turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abomination. God is like, they keep coming to me and they want stuff and they keep coming to me for counsel and clearly they're still praying. But as they're praying, I'm like, I don't want to talk about nothing but them idols. That's the only thing we got to talk about right now. And many of you have gone to God and you're praying and you're wondering why your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling and coming back down. It's not that they're hitting the ceiling. God is hearing them, but he's like, I don't want to talk about that. There's one thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about the stuff that you haven't traded. I want to talk about the stuff that you're holding on to. I want to talk about the fact that you've made me secondary in your life. I don't play second well. I, I, I want to talk about the fact that you've put me in a room with other gods and I don't like to be in a room with other gods. I am a jealous God and I alone want to be your God. And here's the thing about it. God is sufficient in the counsel that you need. God is sufficient in the stuff that you are. You think that void is filled by that stuff. Listen, make the trade. Make the trade. Go sell everything you have because it is in the value of the kingdom that you find fulfillment. I'm almost done, but I really have to hit the second parable. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place today. Forgive me, y'all. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a fine pearl. This is my last point here. Okay, he's, he's, in, he's in search for, note the plural, the, the plural uh, word here, for fine pearls. Okay, but he doesn't find, he doesn't find pearls. Who finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and he bought. Now, see, we're at a disadvantage here. So the first parable is this guy's walking in the field. He's not a treasure hunter. Please, he stumbles upon this treasure. He finds it. He buries it, sells what he has, comes back, buys the field, treasure his. Okay, the treasure is his. This second person isn't stumbling. He's actually searching for pearls. Now, here's what's, what I was scratching my head about this week. Where do you find pearls? Pearls are found in the ocean. Now, you got to understand what, what, a, what, what a, a pearl, a, a treasure hunter uh, in terms of pearls, like a merchant would do in order to find fine pearls in ancient times. They didn't have scuba gear. Right? They didn't have snorkeling equipment like we have. They would row their boat out, boat out to where uh, it, the, the water was deep enough. Then they would tie a rock with, a, with, with, a, with a, a rope on their feet and they would throw the rock overboard and it would take them all the way to the bottom of the ocean. When they get to the bottom of the ocean, they would have a bag that they would put all of these uh, 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 clams in and, and, and oysters and they would put the oysters inside of this bag, not clams, oysters. They would put the oysters inside and once they filled their bag up enough, they would then take a knife out, cut the rope, swim back to the top get back in the boat, open up every single oyster until they found a pearl. If they didn't find a pearl, they would do it again. And they, after they came back up and they didn't find a pearl, they would do it again. Do you realize how dangerous this is? Many merchants died in the process of trying to get back up to the top. And so Jesus gives us this parable. When we read this, we run past this. We, okay, it's just a, you know, he's searching for pearls. No, he's risking everything more than just finances. He's risking his life to find a pearl. He's risking his life to find the one treasure that will be the treasure that will set him up for the rest of his life. He's looking for one valuable pearl. And he's doing so by risking 
everything. And when I read this, it convicted me. I got stuck at verse 45 because I realized I'm willing. I might be willing to sell everything for Jesus, but am I willing to risk my life for him? Am I, when I said uh, earlier that this treasure is worth everything, we thought stuff. But my question to you is, is it worth giving your life for? And I don't mean in terms of a, a morbid sacrifice. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if Jesus died for you, are you living for him? Is your life sold out for him? Is your life, a, like I said earlier, oozing out that you are a professed believer? This man is risking his life to find a pearl. He finally finds it, sells everything because he wants to obtain this pearl. My, my question to you as I land the plane here is, who is it that's holding on to two different worlds? You know, the Bible tells us that our citizenship is in heaven and many of you have placed faith in Jesus. And as you're passing through, you're passing through in a way where you're collecting a lot of stuff. You know, the other thing I didn't see when I was in the airport that day with Ty, when I was in the airport that day with Ty on our way to Miami, when I foolishly missed out on these flights, I did not see anybody with shopping bags and a shopping cart in the airport. I didn't see it. There's stores in the airport. You, you can actually, you, you can buy stuff in the airport, but everybody's buying stuff in a way that they realize that they're just passing through. They're not, they're not stocking up. This isn't home. Just passing through. I'm not, what about, I might buy a toothbrush and some toothpaste and some socks, but I'm, I'm not buying everything to live life here because this is a transition. This is not, this is temporary. This is not where I'm staying. And many, many of you treat earth like, like it's the final destination. It's the final place, but you're just passing through. You came in as dust and you're going back out as dust and my question to you is, as you're passing through, are you holding on to two things? Are you holding on to the, the promises of the kingdom at the same time you're holding on to the trinkets of earth? Worship team, come on up. You know, Revelation 3 gives this story of the church at Laodicea. And the church at Laodicea is rebuked. And the reason that they're rebuked by Jesus himself is because Jesus says that they are lukewarm Christians. He says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you were neither, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you realize that spitting you out of my mouth literally means vomit? Like you make me sick. I would rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be for me or against me. But what I don't want is for you to try to be both. And that's what, that's what the, the parables are giving us today. This sellout model. The, I'll, I'll give everything for Jesus. Listen, I'm going to tell you like this. Colin, if, if Christianity is fake, I'm in trouble. Because I done banked it all on it. But here's the assur assurance that I have. That the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. It quickens my immortal body. I am fully convinced that this thing is real. And so therefore, because I know it's real, I'm really willing to give it my all. 
Are you willing to give it your all? Tiffany, are y'all willing to give it your all? I, I, don't, I don't have anything else to offer you. I, I wish I had, you know, some gimmicks to give you. Tractional. We ain't got, man, listen, all I got is Jesus. Him we proclaim. And him alone. Father, I pray for every person that's on right now. And every person that's in this room. Every person that's serving. We do not want to be lukewarm Christians. We, we don't. We Forgive us for holding on to stuff more than we hold on to you. Forgive us for not being like the two men in the parables where we gave all. Forgive us for giving 80%. Father, get the 20 today. For, for, forgive us for holding on to stuff and, and, and presenting to the body like we're sold out, but we're really not. Forgive us for the secret treasures that are in our heart. Father, we pray that you would do full cleanup today. Pray that you would go in our hearts and, and you'd begin to open up every door, every room, everything we've closed off, everything we've, we, we've hid from people. Pray that it would be laid bare before you today. And here's the beautiful thing, Father, you won't judge us. You won't go, God, that room is filthy. Father, you'll come in and clean it up. So, Father, it is to that end that I pray today. Pray that this would not be that sermon that we just hear and it's a nice, it's a nice sermon, cute sermon, and we go out for brunch. Pray that it's not that type of day. I pray that you would mess something up in us. Pray that you would dismantle some things in us. Ultimately, Father, I pray that you would dethrone other gods because we want to give our life fully to the one true living God. And we can do that through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's worship together, y'all.